Good morning, y'all. And happy Lord's Day. Thank you. Y'all, today this gospel reading is absolutely incredible. There's so much there to discuss. So obviously I won't have enough time to talk about it all. But I want to go back for a moment. I want to go back to Holy Week, to Holy Thursday, whenever we were remembering um, the Last Supper. Jesus institutes the Holy Eucharist, and He washed the disciples' feet, and He instituted the Holy Priesthood. So that Mass that we had here where we got to reenact that, in a sense, of washing the feet of our twelve. Then we had Good Friday, where Jesus was crucified, where He was laid in the tomb, and then we sat in the silence of Holy Saturday, anticipating the Lord's resurrection. We had our Holy Saturday Vigil Mass. It was an incredible liturgy where we brought in eight new people into the Catholic, I mean five new people into the church. It's an incredible experience of the resurrection of our Lord. Then we had our Easter sunrise mass. Many of you came to that. Six o'clock in the morning. It was absolutely incredible. And then right at the consecration, right before the consecration, the Lord showed off and this glorious, this glorious sunrise just exploded from the skies. It was an incredible experience, an incredible time of those three days as we waited and prayed for the resurrection of our Lord. I recall all that because that's where today's gospel starts. Today's gospel begins on the third day. It was Easter Sunday morning. And these two guys, two of Jesus' disciples, were walking back from Jerusalem to their town, Emmaus. It was a long walk. Scriptures tell us that it was a seven-mile journey. And you walk in it, right? So along their walk, they encounter Jesus. And I want to go through this and show you that what's actually happening is the Mass. Did you catch it? Might not look the same, right? But there's four basic principles, basic movements, shall we say, that happen in every single Mass that you and I go to. We gather together. It's the first movement. There's the gathering song and the opening prayers. We're gathering our thoughts, collecting our thoughts. We come and we pray. So there's a gathering that happens. The second thing that happens is there's a proclamation. So we proclaim the Word of God. And there's a homily that's given. Part of that proclamation, right? So we gather, we proclaim, and then we move into the Eucharist, which is where we have the breaking of the bread. So we gather, we proclaim, we break, and at the end of Mass, you're sent out to go and change the world and bring the good news to everybody you meet, right? So there's four basic movements of Mass. Gather, proclaim, break, and send. And what I want to show you is that it's those same movements are happening right here in today's Gospel. Alright? So stick with me for just a little while. So here's what's happening. The, the disciples are on their way back to Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem, and they're discussing all the things that had happened over the past three days. Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday. And it says... While they were conversing and debating, Jesus himself drew near and walked with them. But their eyes were prevented from seeing him, from recognizing him, right? So I think that's the first movement. This is the gather, right? This is Jesus is gathering them to himself. But it's really beautiful that Jesus approaches them in the midst of their conversation, right? And the scriptures tell us they were, they were downcast, right? And so it's really beautiful how Jesus meets them right where they are. 
right in the midst of the conversation of what they were talking about, and Jesus draws near to them. I think He does the same thing to us. He enters into friendship with us. He draws near to us even in the midst of our questions, of our doubts, of our confusion. He's right there with us. So Jesus draws near. But this is the neat part. Their eyes were prevented from recognizing Him, right? So the Holy Spirit, there was some kind of grace given that they couldn't see who He was, although they were His disciples. They walked with Him, but they couldn't recognize Him. And so He asked a question to them. What are you discussing as you walk along? They stopped looking downcast. You can see the heaviness of their heart. And one of the guys named Cleopas says to Jesus, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have taken place there in these days? They're talking to Jesus, right? Of course he knows, right? If I'd have been Jesus, I'd have probably gotten real sarcastic with him, right? I'd have been like, dude, look at the holes in my hand. Like, like, yeah, of course I know, right? But Jesus doesn't do that. He wants to get in their heart. He wants to hear from them what's making them so sad. And so he says, what sort of things? (laughs) I mean, it's just kind of cool, you know? What's bothering you, Jesus wants to know. And although he already knows, of course, but he wants to hear from them. It's just like you as parents, right? Whenever you get a phone call from the school saying that your kid was acting up, and you go pick them up from school at the end of the day, you know what happened, but you want them to talk about it, don't you? So you get in the car and you say, how was your day today? And they go, it was fine. And you go, well, what happened? Nothing. Well, you got to pull it out of them, don't you? Right? You want to find out what happened to them at school, even though you already know it. Same thing does with your spouse. You want to know, even though you know how their day went, you just want to talk to them and hear their heart. So it shows us something about Jesus. Even though he already knows what's going on in our lives, he wants us to talk to him about it. Tell him how your day went at the end of your day. Right? Tell him all the little things. He wants to hear And so he does that to them. No, what sort of things? Talk to me. And the guy says, the things that happened to Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and the people, and how our chief priests and rulers handed him over and crucified him. But we were hoping that he would be the one to redeem Israel. Okay, stop for a second. These were his disciples, right? And they had probably at many times believed That this was the Messiah. But now in the midst of their darkness, in the midst of the heavy heart, they have a sense of hopelessness. Right? We had hoped that He was the one that He said He would be. But there's doubt that enters in. And hopelessness. I think we've all kind of been there at some point in our life, right? Where we've doubted what God was doing in our lives, where we've doubted that He was going to come through for us, where things were just so heavy in our heart, so dark, we couldn't even see Jesus if He'd have revealed Himself sometimes. He's walking right there with them, and they don't recognize Him. Their eyes are prevented from recognizing Him. And I think that happens to us in the spiritual life, doesn't it? Many times as we're going through those dark times, we're on the journey. Just like these guys, you're walking. But sometimes it gets dark on that journey, doesn't it? And we get confused. And we get wrapped up in our own emotions. And we sometimes cry out, God, where are you? I don't know where you are. I I thought that I was walking the life and I thought I was doing good, but now everything seems dark in my spiritual life. Where 
are you, God? And the reality is that he's right there. He's right next to them. He's right next to us. Even though we may not feel him or be able to recognize him, he's there. And what's the key? Keep talking. Know in your heart that he's really with us, so keep speaking to him. And that's what happens. They continue on the journey, and now Jesus looks at them. Because he says, we'd, we'd heard that some people in the group, some women, they went to the tomb and they saw that it was empty. But they don't say that he was resurrected. So there's a thought that maybe they might have just thought that he was stolen from the tomb, as we hear in the scriptures in other places. Someone took his body. So they don't yet understand and believe fully in the resurrection. They're still downcast. And this is where Jesus comes in and reveals who he is. He says, oh, how foolish you are. How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets spoke. Was it not necessary the Messiah should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And it says, and so beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus began to teach them. He began to give a homily. He began to proclaim. So he gathered them in, and now he's proclaiming the good news, right? Now this was quite the homily, and I would love to have been there, right? This is a seven-mile walk homily, right? And I could imagine, like, that's a long ways to be walking. So you got the seven-mile homily, and at the end of it, I'm sure maybe midway, you're going, uh-uh, Jesus, eight, eight minutes, come on. Wrap it up there, buddy. <laughs> that's not what happened they walked and they walked and they walked and before you know it they get to Emmaus and it's evening time and now all of a sudden Jesus pretends like he's walking and they begin to say wait stay with us for evening is drawing near come on into the house come have some gumbo and some crawfish etouffee come on right we're going to pass a good time he caught stay with us they say and I think that's also part of the human experience. In our own lives, aren't there many times where even though we might not understand what's going on and we've cried out to God, where are you at? We know that he's there and so we just say, Lord, just stay with me. Don't leave my side. Give me strength in what I'm going through. Just stay with me. And you know, guys, sometimes that's the best prayer we can say. Whenever there's times in our lives where it's been so heavy and so dark, sometimes we don't even know how to utter a prayer. We don't even know what to say. But this is a great prayer. Just stay with me. Stay with me, Jesus. Right? And so Jesus does. And then it says, while they were at table, Jesus took bread. He blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. Right? He took, blessed, broke, and gave it. And then their eyes were open and they recognized him, and then he vanished from their sight. Now, Catholics, those words should sound familiar, don't they? He took, blessed, broke, and gave, right? This is Jesus. When did he do that before? It was Holy Thursday, whenever Jesus was instituting the Holy Mass. He took the bread, he said the blessing, he broke the bread, and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body given up for you. So here we see the second Mass that Jesus is celebrating. The first one was on Holy Thursday. Now he does it again. So he's breaking the bread for them. 
And what does the Scripture say? It says once he broke the bread, they recognized him. And then he vanished. Boom. Gone. From their sight. What does that tell us? It's saying that Jesus is going to answer the depths of the cry of their heart. Stay with us. Don't leave us. Always be with us. And in John's Gospel, Jesus says, I will be with you until the end of time through Facebook and Instagram. No. He says, I will be with you until the end of time. How? In a new way. In a different way. In a way that might not look the same as any other way they ever experienced Him. How is He going to be with us? In the breaking of the bread. Every time we come to Mass... We break the bread, we take the bread, we bless it, we break it, and we give it to you. And it's truly Jesus. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. They recognize Him, and the minute they recognize Him, He vanishes. It's because He wants us to know that now, until the end of time, where do we recognize Him? Right here. At the holy altar. In the breaking of the bread is where he reveals himself to us. And then the apostles, then these disciples begin to say, were not our hearts burning within us as he spoke to us on the way and opened up the scriptures? Right? So he approached and he gathered, then he proclaimed the scriptures to him. He gave a homily to him. And then he broke the bread. And then they begin to say, weren't our hearts burning during his homily? Wasn't something inside of us was waking up? Our hearts were burning within us. Y'all, that is what a homily should do. A homily should not be something that's an entertaining thing. It's something that should break open the Word of God so that our hearts begin to burn so deeply we say, I want more. And I don't want more of what you're speaking. I want Jesus in the Holy Eucharist. That's what homilies should do. Set our hearts on fire. They teach us. They make the gospel relatable. And it sets our hearts on fire and saying, give me more. More Jesus. That's why the Eucharist comes after the homily. Because our hearts have to be broken open. Just like the bread. Right? Whew. So Jesus shows them who He is in the breaking of the bread. Just like for us. And their hearts are burning so brightly and so deeply in their hearts, they set out at once and they return to Jerusalem. Here's the sending part, just like us at Mass. Gather, proclaim, break, send. They going out into Jerusalem. They got to run back to Jerusalem in the dark seven miles. <laughs> they don't have street lights back then. No flashlights on their cell phones. They got to run seven miles to go back to Jerusalem. Could you imagine if after you were sent out from this Mass, you had to go make a 10K around Thibodeau proclaiming Jesus? It would be amazing. But that's what happens when they experience Jesus in the breaking of the bread in the Holy Eucharist. They get sent out. That's why it's so important, Catholics. I'm not fussing. I'm just saying it's so important that we don't leave after we receive communion. It's not complete. we got to be sent out by the priest. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in the power of the Holy Spirit and transform your families and the town and the people that you work with. Go in the power and the love of God. And they get back to Jerusalem and they say, Dude, we saw, we recognized Jesus. And they're like, Yeah, good. So did Peter, right? The head of the church appears to Peter. 
And then they begin recounting everything Jesus said. They repeated the homily. <laughs> right? That's what they did. They remembered what his homily was about, and they repeated his homily. Have you ever done that after Mass? You go in your car, you go home over lunch, and you talk about what the homily was about. That's what they did. And they say, they told them that he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Now guys, we got to say something real quick right here. This is not symbolic knowing. This is knowing God, who he is, in the breaking of the bread, not through a symbol. Jesus doesn't say, take this, I'm blessing it, I'm breaking it, I'm giving it to you as a symbol of my body. He doesn't say that. I don't say that as a priest. I say this is my body given up for you. So when we as Catholics come up here and receive the Holy Eucharist, we're not receiving a symbol of Jesus. We're receiving Jesus himself. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. And it should so transform our lives that we're not the same people we came in here as. We've been touched. We've been lit on fire with the love that God has for us. And whether we fully understand it or not, doesn't change the fact that he is who he says he is. That the body of Christ is indeed, as Jesus says in John 6, true flesh and true blood given for us to eat and drink. This is the Catholic teaching. And this is how we worshiped. In the early church, they didn't call it Mass. That didn't come along too much later. What did they call a gathering like this? They gathered together for the breaking of the bread. That's what they called it. 1 Corinthians, Romans, that's what they called it, the breaking of the bread, right? So as we've developed as Catholics, our Mass is also developed, but the basic principles remain the same. We gather together, we proclaim the Word of God, we break open the bread, the Eucharist, and we send you out. Not to keep it to ourselves, but to spread it to the whole world. The church would have never grown if they'd have kept it to themselves. God is too good to keep that to ourselves. So let us, wherever we're at today, wherever our hearts are at today, whether they're downcast like the apostles, the disciples, or whether they're filled with God's joy in the Easter and the resurrection, wherever they're at, take it all right here to Jesus in the Eucharist. Receive Him more fully right here in the Eucharist so we can come to know Him in the breaking of the bread so our hearts may be transformed and set on fire just like these guys were in the Holy Gospel today. Amen?